You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. Uh, And we are here today to provide the Redux of our seller series. We're taking that five, we're turning it down into three. This is session two of three. We're going to be talking about home prep and we're going to be talking about showings and open houses. That's what we're discussing today. Um, Last episode, we talked a lot about, do I need a realtor? Uh, What can a realtor do for you? What you should expect? We also talked about some of the documentation that's going to be involved in you listing your home. So today we're going to talk about home prep, and we're going to talk about it a couple of different ways. And the first way is really, um, well, the first thing I guess we ought to ask, Jen, is do I have to do anything to my home to sell it? In this day and age where we're getting closer to a normal market, the answer is you should. You should. I mean, now it, it depends on a lot of things. Comes down to your goals a little bit, and right? We're going to certainly dive into that in our third episode. We're going to talk about because goals really fit into some monetary decisions. Uh, but I would say that the vast majority of your typical home seller is interested in in at least exploring how they can get top dollar, right? And so we're going to approach. Should be a piece of the conversation for sure. Like, yeah. hey, if this, then that, you know, or. Uh, if you need to have a fireside sale, they are still available. It's all a reflection of price. Right. And so we're going to approach this primarily with the idea that you're interested in getting, you know, uh, maybe not squeezing out the super highest value, but getting the most a, amount of money in the least time. There you go. I mean, I can't tell you that's that's pretty much what our sellers typically ask. For. I would like to get as much as I can yes. in just as short of a window. Right. As I would I like possibly to, can. I'd like to have this sold in six hours, and I'd like to get two thousand dollars more than I could dream of. So you that's know. A- We used to be able to deliver that, but it's getting a little (laughs) more challenging now. But we're going to tell you how you can best serve yourself and best serve your potential buyers to try and achieve that goal. So number one in home prep, without a doubt, unquestionably, we will repeat it a thousand times over this next 30 plus minutes, is clean your home. And by clean, I mean Really take a deep dive into cleaning. Don't miss that ceiling fan when you've replaced all the rest of the things in the house and leave it caked with the dust on it so that it's almost black when it was white. That is a no-no. You have cleaned everything. Everything's perfect. You've even gotten in and gotten like the switches and the gunk off the plugs that have been there for 20 years or replaced them or whatever, and then you forget to clean your windows. Yeah, don't do that. Oh, my gosh. I can't tell you how many. And windows, I mean, I know they're no fun. Uh, there's but people for that, Eric. There are. As a matter of fact, there's people for cleaning. Yes. And and so your real estate agent. And agents, it is what they love to do. They thrive. I've got uh, this cleaning company now for windows and chandeliers. Mm. And the guy actually has another job, but he loves to see the finished product. He just loves to see the clean fixtures or the clean chandeliers or the clean windows, and he loves to take pictures of them. It's what he loves. You know, if you've ever like gone to an open house or walked through a home or bought homes before and done showings, 
you know what I'm about to tell you, which is when a prospective buyer walks through your home and it's dirty and it's kind of gross in the grout and all of those things, they go, well, if this is how they lived, how did they possibly maintain this home? And, you know, even in your storage areas, you can have a lot of junk in there, okay? In your storage areas, you can have a lot of junk. But if you have left them filthy or even less than clean, let's just say pick up all the boxes, move on one side or the other, and then clean everything and then put them back, um, that is highly advisable because the perception from the buyer's perspective, is that that house is still dirty, even though you may have paid $1,000 to get the thing deep cleaned. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and everything else is clean. The toilets did get scrubbed. The shower doors look great now. But the two rooms, including the garage, that you left in a total train wreck, unfortunately don't behold yourself looking as clean as you are. Yeah. So just it's just a perception piece, and I'm sorry, friends. I know that that's tough, and I know moving is hard, and I know it's hard to be a seller. I know, I know, I know. But it's important. It is, it, and it'll get you to that top dollar. And most of that is sweat equity. Most of it is. Or, yeah, we or you can, hire somebody out. We do have people, absolutely, that can help you with this. Um, and in those situations, I do offer it. And then when we start getting the feedback, if it unfortunately doesn't get done, I start making a little stronger suggestion that That's we right. should probably hire these people or that it is a priority because the offers are coming in super low compared to where we're listed, and this is why. Right. And so we, we probably could make a distinction, uh, although Jen did just kind of uh, cross over the line, right, between cleaning and decluttering. Yeah. Um, so you can have a perfectly clean home, uh, and everybody knows that, but there's just too much stuff in it. And some of the declutter, you can kind of um, – you know, one of the things I've seen that doesn't tend to bother people as much is the one you've just mentioned, which is if uh, – everything looks great in the house and you go into the garage and there's a thousand boxes stacked in there. People don't, as long as they're, you know, moderately organized. As long as there's not cobwebs everywhere in between in that garage or dog poop or cat urine. I mean, and I know y'all love your pets. I think the NAR statistic says that 75% of us now have pets. Um, And of that, like, more than half will move or do something special for their pets in where they when live. When it comes to housing, yeah. Yes, it's it's very high numbers. And hey, guys, I love my pets too. Heck, I might even bring my horses in when it's really cold in my house. My husband would shoot me. I won't really do that. I want a video if you bring one of the horses in the no, house. No, but I have a girlfriend that brought hers in the garage one time. The garage I could almost see in just the most extreme weather. But the house? Uh, there's videos on YouTube. All Anyways, right. I digress. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But all that to say, you have to take care to go the extra mile and clean, especially in the shifting market that we're in. And then declutter. So, and, and the re- we declutter. We uh, if you are if you've got a ton of furniture in that room because there's a lot of people and it works great for you on movie night and everything. What we're looking for, what the dream is, and everybody dreams this, even though they know they don't live this way, is they're looking for these open clean, bright spaces, even though a lot of people don't live that way when they shop. That's how they shop. And they want you to look like you don't live there. Right. This is, this is you know, the staged Better Homes and Gardens, you know, front cover of that old magazine. Uh, and so you're, you're really honestly looking for that. You want to get stuff off of your kitchen countertops. You want to get all the stuff off if your cabinets are open on top and you've put a bunch of decorative stuff. You want to get that off. You want to do as much of that as possible. Um, 
so that it looks open and spacious. And uh, we even joke, right, there's uh, some smaller homes I've been in. And so what they'll do is they'll bring in extra small furniture to make the rooms look big. And I'm a large man. And if you ever sat down, I mean, Jen, she's laughing, but she's never experienced this, I don't think, where you sit down in a chair and the arms are so tight that (laughs) you're afraid you're going to stand up with the chair attached. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen that. I mean, maybe kind of in a baby carrier that would happen to me. <laughs> I certainly, yeah, I've certainly <laughs> seen. But I mean, I've seen that people do that purposely to make their rooms look bigger. We some want... furniture is just small too. We have a chair that we got off Amazon, and let me just tell you that furniture shopping on Amazon, you know, eh, things are smaller than they look in the photos. And so we actually have like some sort of chair that we got off Amazon that is significantly smaller than you would think it would have been. You got to go look at the specs on those. Yeah. We also hear the advice a lot. I do hear the advice, which uh, I think is like the old advice, which is don't have personal pictures up. You know, I, I sort of, you want people to imagine that it's their home, not your home. It's their family, not your family. I, I go back and forth in that. I haven't actually seen a lot of clients, but there is some stuff we definitely should take down if it's up. Yes, absolutely. So any type of political affiliation, we do not want our buyers to feel like we are, you know, one side or the other here. We are the realtor party. We are the purple party. That's Jen's favorite party, right? Mm -hmm. And that is a blend of blue and red. And actually, we want none of that in real estate. We want completely neutral. We want amazing gray. We want beauty and cleanliness. And that is not in politics, friends. That's right. I, <laughs> I, I don't care how passionate you are about a particular topic. If it's a hot button topic, let's get a little bit more passionate about selling your house. Well, and, that, and let's just face it. Clean walls, whether they're in the garage or in the house, yeah. help us sell. Because what I talk to my people about when we're walking through a home is, you know, and and even prepping the seller for when they sell. For example, um, this weekend, we were looking at a house and the ledges or shelves are going. Well, I know that the walls are not going to be perfect behind where those shelves are. If that stuff is already gone, they know that wall is clean and there is no fear of the um, defects in the wall that could be passed on to the buyer. Absolutely. So declutter, clean, Make sure that people know that there's good conditions in various places. Take down anything that is hot button topics uh, for you know the politics uh, and and other topics that are you know that all tend to, to kind of feed into politics. Yeah, uh, whatever is the hot button stuff right now, you just stay away. Yeah, just just box it up Don't... because it's different every day of the week that ends with why. <laughs> and and why would you uh, uh, potentially alienate half of your buying audience? Exactly. That just doesn't make sense. Yep. Okay, so let's jump into the idea of because uh, very common. Like, okay, uh, Eric, I want to list my house. Let's talk about it. But uh, I have to fix the windowsill, and I have to get this door straightened out, and I need to fix the screen door because the closer doesn't work, and I need to. So I'll hear that a lot. Here, are the, I, I would love to list it, but I have these forty-seven things that I feel like I need to do before I can list it. Here's my first piece of advice: do that stuff today. Right, enjoy it. Don't prep your house for sale and then go, oh, I wish it was this clean when I lived here. 
Do it now. That's my hire first, it out. That's, Make your, you that's know. my first advice: is enjoy the house you're living Yolo. in. Yolo. Yeah, <laughs> definitely enjoy it. But let's talk about the. Uh, let's talk about these home improvement projects. The prep for sale. Uh, we can. T- we'll talk about them in a couple of ways. One is, do they make financial sense? And then the other one is, uh, what else do they do for us, even if they don't make financial sense? Right. So uh, I know that well, you know, as realtors, we have these resources that sort of give us an idea of. Uh, trends and their typical return on investment ROI. So I don't know. I know paint is always usually very high paint, on and that. And it, it does depend on regions. So different regions desire different things, whether that's an upgraded kitchen going to bring you more money, an upgraded bathroom. Uh, fresh insulated garage doors are actually one that can, it turns turns out that that's a higher uh, return than you invest. There's a lot of things that you can do to make your house sell faster that don't necessarily bring you big chunks of money or, you know, they might be a break-even point and not, you might not earn a return on it, but it'll help your house sell faster. But new front doors are actually a pretty high return. If your um, front door is all torn if up. If your or... front door looks kind of dingy and, and repainting, it's not going to do it, or it's from... 1960, um, although some classic 1960s doors are oh, just priceless gorgeous. as yeah. long as they look sharp. But there are things like that, um, replacement windows, uh, new roof, solar panels in some areas are way more valuable than they are in others. You know the one that caught my eye, so I was looking at this year's report from NAR, and one that they say is a positive financial return on investment is uh, flooring. Mm-hmm. Flooring, a uh, deck is another one. Yeah. In this area. But uh, so some things that you Composite might consider uh, fixing or replacing, even though they're going to not give you uh, your ROI. So here's what we mean by that. Let's say, for example, your deck has a bunch of rotted wood and it maybe, maybe isn't anchored right. And maybe you need to have somebody come out and put a new post in and maybe even a new pier. And you're looking at that and you're going, man, that's, that's $2,500. And am I going to be able to raise the price by $2,500? And chances are no. So why would I do that? Why would I go through that? Well, here's why. When a potential buyer walks out onto that deck, they're already going, I have to fix this, and that's cash out of my pocket. And so although they and so they go like, okay, I can't. Either I can't afford it or I don't want to deal with it or whatever it is. And so what that does is it takes your buyer pool and reduces it. And you know, a lot of times you see the buyers go, Well, that's twenty five hundred dollars, but I need to earn something for my pain and effort and troubles. Yeah. So they might So I'm gonna offer you five thousand less. Yeah, absolutely. It'll sort of bring in lower offers. And then, you know, if you've got if you've got um, cat urine on the downstairs concrete, which is hard to get out, but it's doable, uh, and, and you just say, well, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to take the financial hit. The problem is, is not only are you taking a hit, but again, you're reducing your buyer pool because there's only so many people out there that are willing to deal with that. Correct. So dealing with it yourself might make a lot of sense. We were... Uh, I was touring a house just this last week, and it was really funny. It was like they'd done all of these improvements and everything on the inside, yet the railing to get up uh, the stairs because it was you had to get stairs to get to the main door. It was like this wobbly, torn apart. I, you know, and I'm currently recovering from surgery, and so I need rails because of knee surgery. Uh oh. And and yeah, and I'm like I'm like I get in the house and everything's pristine. I'm like you couldn't have spent three hundred dollars outside too. 
Really? You know, so, uh, yeah, th- that's really important. You know, and railings also come into play with financing. Yeah. Well, Some of yeah. the financing. Oh, yeah. I mean, so that is a big, woo, woo, yeah. woo. Um, what, uh, so sh- should I... When, as a client comes to you and they have this list of, I mean, this is pretty common for us. They Here are the 11 things I need to do before I, so, so you, you just tell them, go ahead and do all 11? Or? It is very specific to the timing, the market, and kind of what is going on. So there is no hard and fast rule other than clean, clean, clean. That's always a hard and fast rule, right? Because that's always going to win you. It's always going to win friends and influence people when <laughs> we have clean houses, right? Um, but with my 11 projects now, and you're saying, well, how do I figure out which ones I do? Who do I talk to about that? I would call your realtor. I would start there. Yeah, absolutely. Just let's do a walkthrough together. Let's talk about this. But then let's also talk about what are your top 10 favorite things of this home and how does this list overlay that? And is this impeding with something that you really enjoy? And as Eric stated earlier, the number one message I can give you on those things is do them now. Please enjoy them while you live there because as we just went over, you're not always necessarily going to make a million dollars off of doing these projects or even a thousand dollars, but they are what helps your home be appealing to other people. And please enjoy those while you're living there as well. Because I that's a, that's a common theme over the couple decades I've been doing this is that people get their home in the condition that it is ready to sell and they're like I wish I had done this when I moved in or I wish I had done this years ago whatever it is that is a very common theme so that is some of the best advice we can give you is enjoy the home that you're in and make it exactly how you want it but if you if you do end up like a lot of our sellers do with that, I will say 90% probably with that list of here are the things I want to fix before we go on the market the message is is consult with your realtor and do a walkthrough with your realtor because your realtor is in and out of homes, usually with buyers a lot. They know what's important and what's not. They know what's going to affect sellability. And then they also, if you don't have the right tools or skills to fix it yourself, they also will probably have some contacts that can come out and do it professionally. And so I want to really quick talk about that concept of professional work because there's a lot of DIY work done in homes and some of it is really good. <laughs> some of it is. Yeah. So be careful about doing DIY work if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. If you don't know how to keep gaps out of your floor, even after it's put in because it slides underneath the uh, the, the side trim. Don't. If you don't understand that, then don't do your own floor unless you get taught how to do that. Don't. Um, even painting, if you're not a good painter, if you can't edge, if you don't know how to edge properly and everything, because I can tell you doing projects DIY that are bad will potentially lower the value of your house, not increase it. Right. Because if they're looking at that and thinking, oh my, this paint would be great if it didn't have it all over the ceiling or if it didn't have it all over the trim, what are they going to do? Yeah. Or, Repaint. Oh, look, they put a ceiling fan out here underneath the deck. How wonderful. But they ran raw Romex out in the rain. Oops. What else did they do here that's dangerous that they didn't you know about? And it's going to catch you on an inspection, which we are back into doing inspections, which is actually great because we want people to understand both sides of everything. I know the sellers probably loved being able to sell homes as is, but the reality is, is that we created a complete and total uh, new homeowners that don't understand exactly what they've gotten themselves into. Sometimes, yeah, absolutely. So, home, home maintenance is a thing. And so... But wigwam work doesn't go well on an inspection. Yeah. Inspection helps you with that. And yeah, so... Um, 
let's take maybe two minutes and let's talk about. Um, so I've got my home, I've got it cleaned and everything, but you know, it, maybe it's vacant. Maybe my furniture is terrible. Um, so there's the concept of having your home staged. Uh, and you can hire people to help you stage your home. Now, your realtor is probably going to have some general advice, like declutter, you know what, is there any way you could get one more chair out of here, or, or that kind of thing. Uh, but when it comes down to, you know, hey, I want to make this picture perfect, uh, there's a couple of options uh, when it comes to staging. So there are um, uh, people out there, uh, I'm trying to think of their, their uh, home decoration experts, and whatnot that will, for a fee, provide um, consulting. Yep, and we have a, a little bit that we'll do with right. that as we know what's generally there. But if we're going to get more in depth than thirty minutes to an hour, that is going to be someone that we're going to need to outsource. So if there's a lot of staging that's going to need to be done, we're going to have to bring in, mm-hmm. you know, a professional above us that uh, is a little more um, like we could do this with this, or they actually have pieces sometimes that they can trade out or bring in, or you mm-hmm. can rent from them or something like that, um, and and make your home really, really appealing to the eye. You might even want to take a bite out of it. Yeah. So <laughs> on on my last home sale, we sold. It's pretty, you know, it's a pretty decent house, pretty uh, decent in size and cost. And uh, I hired an advisor to help me with the furniture I had, and then uh, gave uh, her a budget. And she actually went shopping with me to do accent pieces. And uh, the house looked gorgeous. It just yep. absolutely looked gorgeous. And so it wasn't even that horribly expensive. I want to say I spent maybe six, seven hundred dollars for and the whole pro thing. tip, friends. You don't have to wait until you're going to sell your home to have these people in either. Oh, yeah. If you're like, so, boy, I'd like to have my, my living room look really cool. I mean, we've had a, we've had. Some of them do it virtually now, we've too. Had, uh, we had someone on the podcast. Why, why can't I? I can picture her face, but I can't remember her name. Do you remember off the top of your head? It was one of our earlier podcasts. Go back and check our library because we have a whole thing about staging. And, uh, um, uh, and then we also talk in that one about. Sue. Yeah, Sue Shores. There you go. Hey, we got it. Sue. Sorry, Sue. Sorry it didn't come straight to mind. But uh, yeah, she also talks about just uh, uh, you know making your home nice and beautiful for yourself. All right. Uh, they also can bring in furniture. So they are stagers. That gets a little bit more pricey, but they can bring in their whole set of furniture and to make it look wonderful. Uh, and then lastly, you can actually, if particularly if your home's empty, but you can uh, have virtual staging where... Uh, they will um, digitally embed furniture, really cool-looking furniture and everything, in a room. Uh, typically, when you do that, uh, I think almost, I think it's more than typically. I think you might be required to let people know that it's virtually staged. And when I see those in listings, what I see is I see the virtual stage, and then I see the picture of the blank room now, which is really cool because this is, hey, just so you know, here's, An how, idea. here's how you can imagine the one way this room might be set up. Yep. And what's great about that, you do have to disclose that you are virtually staging the home, and that is somewhere in the listing for the friends that walk into the house and go, there's nothing here. Right. But um, you can sometimes pay them to do it with your own furniture. That's true. So if you really are so inclined to spend a little bit of money just to figure out exactly how this would look, they can do it. Uh, the last thing we want to mention, because you know, there's a there's a handful of things out there that people are sort of, sort of common uh, myths, or even if they're not myths, even if they're real. Like I want to get rid of all the personal photographs. The other one is this sort of concept of curb appeal, and so curb appeal simply is when somebody pulls up to the house, what does that first initial gut reaction tell them? Right? Um, you know, do they feel positive or do they feel negative? And that's a real thing. 
So I heard that many times yesterday when I was out showing. I love the curb appeal of this house. Oh, I don't like the curb appeal of this house because a big tree is overhanging the roof, and I feel like that'll fall in the house. Yeah. Just a couple of things. Yeah. So you already mentioned like one big thing that really affects curb appeal, which is the front door. Yes. Uh, and if you do not want to paint and it is able, you can use a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser to scrub off that door. It'll clean it right up. Yep. Um, fresh mulch, uh, depending on the season, maybe some fresh flowers being planted. Um, of course, clean the outside. I mean, if you've got siding or even if you don't and it's just dirty, get a hose out there and get it cleaned. Make sure the you know the gutters are clean, etc. Yep. I've um, got several people that will do power washing. Yep. Um, heck, you might even be able to pay me to do it. No, not really. Just yeah. kidding. I do have a power washer. And power washing your deck is really, really amazing because yep. it brings a whole new life to your deck. And then you mentioned about the trees, right? So the trees and shrubs being trimmed back properly, the yard mode, and if leaves it's, not everywhere. Exactly, all of these things where people go, "Oh yeah, this is the, this is." They my must dream really home. love this home. They must really take care of this place. Yeah. This is great. And I love this home, and I have to buy it. No, oh, I can't miss this one, Jen. <laughs> all right, so that drives us right into sort of our second major topic because curb appeal happens when somebody comes to see your house so let's talk about showings and then a little bit about open houses yeah all right so uh i've made an agreement with uh with you jen to list my house you've told me that it's going to go live on friday you've gotten a professional photographer in i know that there's a listing out there in pre-mls uh, I may not know exactly what that means, but I know on Friday I should be able to check the sites that I like, like Realtor.com or whatever, and uh, see my house. When should I expect that first showing? Man, be ready at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Be ready. That is the number one thing. Now, we, again, are in a shifting market, so you may not get any showings until later that afternoon. Heck, it may be that next day at this point. But what you don't want to happen is somebody scheduled a showing at 7, wanting to see it at 8 o'clock, and you are still making breakfast. Well, what if I don't want showings that early? How much control do I have when it comes to parameters around my showings? Good news. We can help you by restricting showings at certain times. So say you are not an early morning person, and friends, I love early mornings, but I know I don't. that my good friend Eric does not. So he might not want anyone in the house until 10 o'clock, and that is okay, but what I'm going to tell you is your best bet is to give as much access as possible, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Ideally is unrestricted and open and available, but we do know life happens, and we may know that you're not an early riser. Um, so we can actually tailor that to exactly what you need. Or even if you have a child that naps or a dog or a cat that naps, we can <laughs> block that one hour off in the afternoon for that cat nap. The, uh, the other things that you can uh, have your realtor do for you is you can ask, you can have them put in that there has to be a certain amount of warning. So somebody can't drive by, see the sign, and go, oh, I want a showing in 10 minutes. You can say, look, I need at least an hour's notice because I have pets I have to deal with. I have to figure out what the kids. I have uh, elderly relatives that live with me, and I, you know, they just don't hop in a car and go someplace. Uh, so whatever it is. So it's pretty common to see, hey, we need at least an hour's notice. Uh, you can ask for more time, but an hour is pretty common. 
24 hours is really super courteous. I know that that's yeah. not always possible. And I know that in the market that we were in previously, you couldn't wait 24 hours to see a house. That's not going to happen. You are going to miss it. But now, the more noticed you can give, the better off. And then just have a communication with whoever on the other side that, hey, we will let you know if any other offers are coming in so that nobody misses the home. And the same can be said for the seller. Like, listen, this does not restrict us in any way, shape, or form to only getting this particular one offer, but it gives us a lot more opportunity. You'll have the ability to uh, get communication about when it's coming through. You can even uh, uh, set it up so you approve them and your realtor doesn't. Although if Through you, text, through yeah, email, yeah. through a phone call, All almost anything. Stuff. Heck, maybe they're going to come up with something on TikTok yet. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> but when it comes down to that, approve quickly. And if you're not approving, then communicate to your realtor instantaneously if they don't already know why not. So they can call that person and let them know like, oh, well, I mean, we didn't think we we're going to have showing today and uh, I'm baking and I can't I can't leave in an hour. Or uh, if your house is vacant and you still have showing set up on must approve, change it or be on it because yeah. someone actually almost didn't get their home shown yesterday and it was completely vacant. There was no reason that the showing was not being approved. I mean, yeah, I've seen that vacant homes on because uh, you we you can set it up where it's instantly approved, and why a go and show is what they call yeah, that, Eric. Why would you go not, and show? Why would you not do that if your home was vacant? I don't understand. I don't know. Something happened, but just a simple suggestion that may get you an offer. And you may uh, once a showing's done, we typically ask feedback from the showing agents. We even get it sometimes. And so I always request feedback, and I gave all the feedback last night on all those houses we looked at. And three agents said, "Thank you oh, yeah. so much for providing feedback. If this doesn't work for them, we do have this that may be of interest." And and here's the address you could check it out. Sure. But they were so grateful. And so if any agents are listening, please do your due diligence. That's and right. And always send feedback. And buyers, give your agents constructive feedback to help sellers. Let's make this the best for everyone. So your agent's going to help you by setting up a lockbox so that people can get in your house. You're going to need to provide them with keys. If you have more than one key that you're providing, like a shed key or a separate garage key, be sure they're labeled. And make sure that all the keys are present. Um, but let's turn to safety a little bit because uh, there's some safety concerns about letting people traipse through your house. Absolutely. And while we do the best, we always make sure our buyers are pre-qualified. Nine times out of ten, we know our people that are coming to us and we know them fairly well by the time that we're entering homes with them. But that being said, we are not 100% like looking over everybody's shoulder every second we are with them, but put away any valuables such as jewelry, money, uh, things like firearms, prescriptions. Oh, yeah. So let's talk. Hang on. Um, let's stop. Let's back up. So first, yeah, <laughs> hit the brakes here. Let's talk specifically about guns and firearms, also uh, bows or any other weapons that you have in the house, knives. Um, uh, decorative swords, uh, any of that stuff. That stuff needs to be locked up. And a good, a, a good agent is walking through right before. Prescriptions ready too. For I mean, absolutely. But like, but the the weapons, they're just get them locked up. Preferably get them out of the house. Get them in the gun safe. And if you yeah, if you can't do that, they need to be out of the house. I I do not, and I have. I do not want to walk through a house where there are samurai swords on display on the wall. I've done it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, 
I feel like I do a great job of uh, not only vetting people before I take them into homes, but keeping an eye on them, particularly when they have children around. But there's a reality there that, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, kids are kids and maybe other agents aren't as diligent. So that comes into the weapons that comes into prescriptions, which you've mentioned, uh, and of course, all the valuables. I mean, you, you know, and uh, I'm not talking just putting them away in drawers. OK, and I I hate to even say this, but it's the reality of the world that we live in. People open drawers. Right. They and, just do. And sometimes I don't even think it's intentional. Like it's just such a habit for some people to look in drawers. They just do it. So don't slide your thousand dollars on the top of a drawer and, and leave it there. Lock it up, too. And the same with your prescription bottles. Don't shut them in the medicine cabinet and leave them and think that's fine or they're in the bathroom uh, drawer there. No, lock it up. Eric said it best, safe or out of the house, that is the best policy. Yeah, the, the reality is, is if, it, if that is attached to the house, if that's a drawer that's part of your vanity, they theoretically should be opening it in anyway. They want to see how deep it is. They want to see if it slides properly, et cetera. They're, they're not doing anything nefarious. Now, what happens is, is you get used to opening drawers, and then they go over to your dresser and they open drawers because they're not thinking it through. Uh, so, yeah, don't just, just lock them up. Get them out of there. Um, uh, by the way, just as a quick aside, have we mentioned that they should clean the home? <laughs> I, I don't know if we've talked about that at all, but I think maybe cleaning is a good idea. Spiffy and clean. <laughs> uh, right. Things off of the counters. I know that that's a pain, friends. Let's, but let's it talk helps. about pets. Yeah. Everybody loves them. So, um, you know, theoretically, we want you to take your pets out of the house if that's possible, but sometimes it's not. All right. Cats don't tend, a lot of house cats don't travel in cars very well. Some do, some don't. So, a lot of people will leave cats out uh, with instructions, like whether they can go in the house or out of the house. So, we can leave those instructions like don't let the cat out. Uh, but you also need to tell them that there's a particular pet present. Like, uh, okay, our dog is crated, right? If you leave a dog, dogs typically should be crated, although sometimes I've run into houses where they haven't been. It's been explained in showing notes to the to me as a buyer's agent that, hey, you know, we've got a very old dog, blah, 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 super nice. And we I even went to one. <laughs> this is cool. Like, I don't know how that dog wasn't, because it was during the big rush of 1,000 showings. I don't know how this dog wasn't 1,000 pounds. They left treats out so that when you went through, you could give this old, <laughs> decrepit dog a treat. And they're oh like, hey, give, give, give the dog a treat. Give he's Fido really, a treat. He's really docile. He's really old. Right? So and uh, so I don't know. that. So he, if he's gone out now, he's gone out fat and happy. So And as the seller, I would ask uh, as your agent that you not just leave your pets loose in the backyard. Oh, yeah, I know. That happens more than... Um, you know, I'd like it to honestly. Where and then a lot of times your your people are not willing to go in the backyard because they don't know and right. uh, you know whatever or the the thousand mounds of dog poo in the backyard. So yeah. I mean, as a rule, it is best if you're going to have the animal there to have it crated or some type of small room with a gate or something like that that is well disclosed to the buyer. That way, everybody's yeah. got a level of comfort in dealing with an animal because. Things happen with animals. We all love them, but, you know. Well, and your agent needs to know so they can communicate to any buyers coming in or buyer's agents coming in uh, because there are people who have allergies. Absolutely. Right. And then there are certain pets out there that people will kind of get a little, you know, freaked out about. Right? Yeah. You know, even if they're in, a, you know, even if your tarantula is in a closed aquarium, right, there are people that, so letting them know, hey, I have an iguana. 
right? Um, and he's, you know, he's in a secure blah, blah, blah. I want a blah. present. Very friendly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't stick your finger in the cage. Exactly, though. right? So uh, uh, communicate all that information. It's really important and and, and that um, you're preparing for all possible scenarios with pets. What should I do with myself, Eric? Should well, I stay there? Should I, like, give them a tour? What should I do if I am the seller? That's a good question. Can a seller be present while their home is being shown? So the answer is, yes, they can. The second answer to that is, that's pretty uncommon in our area of the of the world uh, in real estate. It, it becomes more common, well, seller. The seller is pretty uncommon. Um if a seller is present, if you decide you have to be present, so uh, like, you know, I, I have an elderly relative who lives with me. So like I said, when we sold our last house, we put in there that it would be possible that this uh, elderly relative would not be leaving the house because she wasn't driving. And so if I couldn't get back to get her or whatever, if you are present or somebody in your family is present, it's a very polite, hi, how are you, and then get out of their way. Uh, do not share with them a ton of information or really any information because if it comes down to negotiation, you might accidentally let something slip that will hurt you in negotiation. Yes, if you stay there and Jen's the buyer's agent, she is coming in with a lot of questions. Oh, and I do when, when sellers are there, I pepper them with questions and they answer. So it'd be like, oh, yeah, and, and sometimes that's okay, but, man, I, I can tell you that as a general rule, I felt like I've gotten a lot more information than I would typically get. Now, when we get into some of our more expensive homes, um, a listing that we had last year, it was necessary for me to tour every single person through that house. Well, so now this is a and listing agent. And when we're agent. talking about um, the listing agent may be present on some of the higher-priced homes or really complicated homes. Um, I've been hearing a lot about that uh, castle over in KCK. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, that sounds like you would need somebody to tour you through that bad boy. Hell, it may... You may fall through the floor now. I don't know what's going on with that thing. It sounds all kinds of crazy. Right. So that's a, that's a different thing, right? Is the seller present? Am I as the seller present? Typically not. Uh, is my listing agent present? Well, that kind of depends. And you can ask your listing agent to be present. It can slow down the number of showings. But what is very common in our area, when you get over certain price points, because the home has so many features, uh, is that those appointments are made with the listing agent present. Um, so people who are buying, let's just call it million dollar plus homes, they're pretty um, pretty used to that. And also, when you put a million dollar plus home on the market, usually there's not a massive parade of people because the buyer circle is smaller. So it's not like they're there doing eleven showings on a weekend, which might easily happen on a well listed two hundred and eighty five thousand dollar home. Yep. So. But yes, listing agents can be present at any price range, uh, and that's no big deal. They're usually there to show you stuff around the home that you wouldn't normally figure out on your own or your agent wouldn't normally figure out on your own, but they will give you some space to talk, and et cetera, if they're smart at all. Speaking of agents being present, usually when you go to an open house, we've got an agent present. Absolutely. Let's talk about open houses. Uh, number one, do I want an open house for my... Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to hire you, Jen, and I want you to have an open house next week. Is that something I should be requesting? Does it help? What, who's an open house for? How, what, how do they work? Well, 
I have been seeing more and more open houses coming about. And actually, I just ran into a new construction agent this weekend that is hosting open houses Tuesday through Friday, 12 to 3 every day. So they are becoming a lot more common. Now, I will tell you as a prospective seller that we have only sold a handful of homes in 23 years from an open house. And by handful, I mean less than a handful. Because open houses, traditionally, you go through them, and you can find a buyer uh, that wants to buy that particular home at the open house, but a lot of times it is the agent um, helping people and then finding out their needs and, oh, this house doesn't meet your needs. Maybe this house would meet your needs and and asking all of those questions. So the, the traditional thinking on open houses is it benefits the listing agent more than it does the seller because the listing agent gets to do that, engage with a lot of people who are in the home market and potentially land a client. It's nothing nefarious about that. Uh, well, there shouldn't be anyway, depending on how they do it. I'm actually working with some clients right now. They're a wonderful couple. I met them while I was doing an open house. But the, the truth is a lot of people touring open homes are not quite ready to take that step of getting pre-qualified because it's pretty serious when you decide to do that. You've got to submit a lot of financial information. And they're trying to get familiar with a particular area more so than look to actually buy that home. Um, sometimes they are. You know, I've looked at this home online 15 times and I'm still in the teeter-totter, but I'm not pre-qualified yet. And so maybe we can help them get to that next step to make the offer if this is the home of their dreams. But more times than not, they are just getting familiar with houses in general. What does this feel like to go to an open house? What does this feel like to start looking at homes for sale? It's more of, you know, let me check out this area and the architecture or the floor plans in this particular area, not necessarily specific to that house. Another thing I see a lot in an open houses, which is going to sound like a negative, but I'll turn it around in a minute, is I see a lot of neighbors. Yeah. All right. I want to come in. I want to see what they've done. Yeah. With the I want house. to see how you live in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've only been in the kitchen in this house. I want to check out the whole thing. So you can request an open house from your agent knowing, and if you do, just know that, um, you know, your agent is probably going to be somewhat interested because it'll give I them love to host open homes. I love for you all to host open homes. It gives us an opportunity yeah. for some different things. As a matter of fact, we've got a brand new construction home in Liberty that I'm getting so excited it's almost done because I don't want to have an open house on it until it's finished. But it is so phenomenal that I want to show it off. So definitely reasons for it. Not necessarily to have that particular buyer come through because they may or may not, but it's just kind of fun. And it's actually allowing us to have that piece of the market again, because for so long, we really didn't see those. And when it comes to your neighbors, uh, here's something that I do. I don't, I don't necessarily do in every open house, but I'll do on some is if you've got a really strong community, then prior to the open house, and I've done this several times, I'll go door to door for a couple of blocks and I will literally hand them the flyer. It's pretty funny, too, when you when you go door to door and you're a stranger. Uh, and then they're like, OK, who are you? And then you say, you know, I'm Eric. I'm representing the Smiths down the street who's, who's getting ready to sell their home. And now they want to talk. Um, but if they're a strong community and they really have really strong neighborhood ties, frequently they have friends or whatever. They want them to move close or family members. That is exactly right. So I'll go door to door and let people know, hey, we're having an open house on Saturday from 1 to 3. We'd love you to stop by. And then sometimes that is an effective sales tool. Now, the number of sales we get out of that is hard to quantify. 
uh, and it doesn't seem like it's very high, so I wouldn't have huge expectations. But by all means, ask your agent for an open house if that's something you'd like, or they may even recommend it to you. Should they clean before that open house? As it turns out, uh, cleaning is, um, have we not mentioned that? <laughs> I think it's high on the list, cleaning. Um, clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. <laughs> what open houses last little thing is there are things called virtual open houses. And so uh, they obviously were incredibly popular during lockdowns, which is essentially a, uh, a, a listing agent doing something like Facebook Live or, or uh, even just putting out a public Zoom link. And then people can just pop in and they'll walk through the house and then people could go, uh, hey, you know, Eric, could you show me uh, what uh, what's the model of that oven or, you know, things that they might do. Uh, they or also, how many rods does that closet have? Yeah. yeah. And what is that material there on that sink? They have become less popular. Um, I still love to do them. But um, yeah. I've kind of developed a knack for doing. Yeah, you do great on Facebook Live. Yeah. I just love to do it. I think it's a great way to connect with people and reach people even. And that's the other thing is I love about virtual open houses is that um, a lot of this community that we talked about may actually be too shy to come into the home and visit with us, but they're not too shy to pop on Facebook or pop into our chat and have a conversation with us. So I just love it because I love people. I love to connect with people. Absolutely. So that's another option. So anyway, uh, that's, that's kind of open houses. Like I say, it's sort of an, uh, an industry thing that says, eh, they're probably more for the agent potentially potentially getting new clients, but there is some value to them. And in certain circumstances, there can be a lot of value to them. So uh, don't be afraid to discuss that with your realtor. Actually, they should probably be discussing it with you. Um, one last thing that we'll just mention, I know it's one of Jen's favorite things. We think it's great. You did actually mention it earlier in the podcast, but uh, don't be surprised if your agent is asking you for a uh, top five favorite things about living where you live. Actually, be prepared for that. Uh, yeah, it's a really, it's a great little thing to to put out to let other people like, uh, and some things they may not even really realize because they're out seeing homes and Lord knows where their GPS took them. Like, I love the proximity to the three parks I can go to, and they're like, hold it, three parks, you know. So, so some of those can be very or the way that the sun sets in the evenings, right? And if they're there at two o'clock in the afternoon, how would they, they have know no that's cool? Clue. Right. Yes. All right, so that's it. That's that's our second of three episodes of the Seller Series. We've gone through a lot of information, right? We talked a lot about, about home prep, about home projects that you might want to do prior to sale and how you should be going about those and who you should be consulting with, your uh, trusted realtor, of course. We talked about showings and all the control you can have, but a lot of things you need to think about in terms of safety, security, and then uh, the timing and communication around that, of course. And then uh, a sort of about open houses and the kinds of things you can expect and, and whether or not you really want to have one or not. Uh, in our third and final episode, we're going to be talking about money, right? Money, money, money. Money, money, money. We're going to answer three questions, right? What's my home worth? What are my goals in selling? And what should I list my home for? Which is not necessarily what the home is worth, depending on your goals. We're also going to talk about what happens during that period of time when you've gone under contract and then all the way up until you actually close at the title company. So that's how we're going to finish up. But thank you so much for joining us on episode two of our redo or redux of our home seller series. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com 
you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to 